topic today from Isaiah chapter 41, Israel, my servant. Verse 1 starts by saying, Keep silent before me, O coastlands, and let the people renew their strength. Let them come near, then let them speak. Let us come together, let them come near together for judgment. It's a beautiful invitation from God. He's inviting us to come with him, to come and to initially be silent before him. We come in awe before him, the Lord God, the Mighty One. Come before him silently, listening, observing, absorbing in humility before God. And then as we draw close to him, listening to him, drawing forward in renewed strength. You're needing renewal tonight. You're needing God's strength tonight. You're needing more energy tonight. And in God's renewal, come silently before him. There's a time to praise. There's a time to lift up our voice. There's a time to be silent before him. And as we meditate upon him, as we draw from him, as we absorb from him, we gain strength and power. And then let them come near. Then let them speak. So as we're first silent before God, then we can speak. Too often we have it the other way around. Too often we want to talk and we want to tell God and we want to tell others before we've sat silently before him, before we've gained strength from him. We move forward in our own strength. We think we know it all. Um, there was, a, there was a, 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 an animal commercial, a pet commercial on, on Animal Planet. It used to say, I don't know, maybe it still does, uh, you think you know dogs? And then this brand, whatever it was, I don't even know. Now they know dogs, right? So people think, they know, right? You think you know about it? I know, and they want to tell you everything, right? Uh, but we need to sit silently before God and learn from him, absorb from him, gain strength from him, and then we can go forth and speak, and speak to others, but also to speak to God. Our best prayers come from first listening to God. Our best prayers first come from learning from God. We learn how to pray and know what to pray by reading God's Word. One of the, some of the best prayers come from quoting back to God what he has already said, claiming his promises and claiming attributes and confessing right from God's Word uh, sins that he reveals to us, claiming his forgiveness by claiming his Word. So silently sit before him, and as we sit before him, we gain strength from his Word from the power of his word, from the power of his promises, the hope and the, and the strength that is there, the guidance and the direction is that is there, and the literal power that comes just from God's word. It was God's word that created the entire universe. God spoke, and it was power in God's word. And so as we listen silently, come before him, we gain strength directly from his word. And it gives us then power to speak rightly of him to others and rightly to him in prayer. And so if you have trouble praying, if, if your prayers seem weak, if your prayers seem dull, if you, if you go tired in prayer and weak in prayer, pray God's word. Read God's word first and then pray from that. Learn from other people's prayers. Learn from Paul's prayers and other people's prayers, David's prayers, and we learn how to pray. 
And then we can speak. Let them come near. God invites us to come near to him. What a God we have. What a wonderful God who invites us to come to him and to come close to him, to come near to him. He's not a faraway God. He's a very close God, very intimate God. That's why he wants to tabernacle with us and us to tabernacle with him. That's why he had us build the tabernacle. So he says so that he can dwell among us. That's why the Lord descended, came down in humility before us to be with us. The Hebrew word Emmanuel, God with us. He wants to be with us and he wants us to be with him. What a beautiful God. What a wonderful God. What more can we ask for? Someone who loves us with an everlasting love and someone who wants to be with us all the time. Who's all knowing, who's all good, who's all loving, who's all caring. Who's able to provide for our needs. He invites us to come near and speak with him. And let us come near together for judgment. That's kind of interesting. Most people don't like going before a judge who's going to judge and judgment. God invites us to come near together for judgment. He wants us to judge with him. He wants us to judge rightly. He wants us to examine things together, to examine our lives together with him. As he reasonably, reasonably shows us what areas we're wrong so he can show us what is right, so that he can heal us and so that he can minister to us and through us and, and, and deliver us. It's like going into the physician's office who's got a solution, who can then come near and talk about the situation, show you what the problem is, and also show you the, how to solve it. Right? I mean, most of us don't like going to the dentist. Right? Most people don't like going to the dentist. But if you've got a toothache or, you know, you've got pain in your mouth, that's where you want to go, right? And after they do the x-ray, you don't want them to just take the x-rays and you just want to go home with the pain. You want them to take the x-rays and then you want them to sit down with you and say, okay, this is the problem, <laughs> but this is the solution, right? And hopefully it's a good solution and a painless solution and when you get to keep your tooth or whatever, right? You want to come together with them for the judgment regarding the problem. And we have a God who's willing to do that with us. A God who wants to sit down with us. A God who knows us, knows us better than we know ourselves, knows our motives, knows our hearts, knows our future, knows what he created us for, knows what's, what's in us that he wants to bring forth and draw out, that he wants to develop, and he wants to sit down with us. As a divine guidance counselor, and sit together with him and plan out our lives together with him. Come near, together, for judgment. What a beautiful God. He wants to sit together with us, for us, for our good. It's when we resist coming near to him for judgment that we get in trouble. It's when you don't show up in court that you end up with problems. It's when you ignore the pain in your mouth and let it get worse and worse and worse and spread that we end up with problems. 
God invites us to come together for judgment. Verse 8. You, Israel, are my servant. Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendant of Abraham, my friend. What a beautiful text. God called Abraham my friend. I mean, what other kind of God is out there that, that, that calls his created beings his friend? What a beautiful God, what an enduring God, what a close God we have. He is the judge, he is the king, he is the Lord. But he also says, I'm your friend. Would you like to have that pop up on your Facebook someday, right? Uh, an invitation from God <laughs> to, to be his friend and for you to be his friend? Well, he gives us that invitation. That invitation is right here. Because not only does he want to be Abraham's friend, he wants to be the friend of all of Abraham's descendants. He wants to be friends with us. He wants us to be friends with him. To come together with him. To come near to him. And so he calls, Israel, are, you, Israel, are my servant. Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham. <coughs> calls us his servant, his friend. So it's not servility, it's willing servanthood. Loving servanthood under a good, divine, just God and Lord. So we are his servants. And Jacob, whom I have chosen. So God has chosen us. We are chosen by God. He has specifically picked us. Hand-picked us. Going through the produce aisle. Hand-picking the fruit that you want. He's hand-picked you. He has chosen you. He loves you. He wants to be near to you. He wants to use you. The gifts and talents he's blessed you with. And service for him. And he wants to be your friend. Well, that's just from this little verse. There's other verses that says he wants to be our husband and, and so many other things as well. He loves us with an everlasting love. He's chosen us. And he's chosen us for a reason. He's chosen us for a purpose. Hey, you don't go to a, a, a car lot and pick out a car and pay for it and then just leave it there. Or you don't just then buy it and, and, uh, and drive it to some you know, high spot and, and shine some lights on it and just leave it there. Never drive it. You don't drive it onto your driveway and you know, park it there for the neighbors to see and again with lights on it and never drive it. You chose that car for a purpose. And God has chosen us for a purpose. He hasn't chosen us just to put us on some pedestal somewhere. He's chosen us to be his servants. He's chosen us to give honor and glory to him. He's chosen us to be his friend. 
just trusting relationship, a loving relationship, a close communicating relationship where we listen to him and we're able to speak to him. We're able to draw near together. He has chosen us for fellowship with him. He's chosen us for heaven. And he's chosen us for here to draw other people to him so that more people can be in heaven. Because not only was Abraham his friend, and not only the descendants of Abraham are chosen and servants of God, but all who believe in the descendant of Abraham, the seed of Abraham, the Messiah who comes through Abraham's line, the divine chosen one, the Emmanuel, the God who came with us, who came through Abraham's seed. The one whom, as Abraham was taking his miraculous son Isaac, who was born to a dead womb mother, miraculous birth, miraculous conception, who was, became a willing sacrifice, laid down on the altar, whom Abraham was willing to sacrifice, and yet God provided the ram as the sacrifice. The God of Abraham is the God of all who believe in the God of Abraham. All who believe in the God that has become Emmanuel, God with us. And thus all who believe in that God become the descendants of Abraham. Just as our descendants are not merely people who come through our bloodline, through our seed or through our womb, but all whom we minister to. They become our children in the Lord, descendants. And thus all who believe in the God that Abraham believed in become the descendants of Abraham, the children of Abraham, and are heirs then of the same inheritance, and thus are also chosen, and thus are also servants of God. Because Israel means a prince with God, or the overcomer with God. And thus all who overcome through God's power become princes with God and become the Israel with the Israel of God, with the descendants of Abraham. Does that make sense? Wonderful promise. Wonderful God who just opens up to all who are willing to be chosen by him, to be servants of him. As it says in Isaiah, another chapter in Isaiah, Isaiah 56, verse 6, says this is the same thing we were just talking about. It says, also the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord. So all those who join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants. So Jesus said, Israel... You, Israel, are my servants. Here it says, the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord also become God's servants. To be his servants. 
everyone who keeps, the, keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant. So God calls all those foreigners to come to him also, to draw near to him, to listen to him, to come together with him in judgment, to love him, to love his name, to be his servants, to keep his Sabbath, and to hold fast his covenant. Thus he calls us all to come together as one. Not two different sets, not two different parts, not two different groups, but come together as the Israel of God united together, keeping his Sabbath, following him, loving him, serving him, serving him together. So there's not one Sabbath for the Jews and one Sabbath for the foreigners. It's one Sabbath for us all together as we serve God together. Because there's one God that we come together under and under his banner. The banner of Emmanuel. Back to chapter 41, Isaiah 41, verse 9. You whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from the furthest region. Again, all the, all the nations and all the foreigners, from all the places we've been scattered, and said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Beautiful promises. Again, God's saying this several times through this chapter because he wants this, the message, for us to grasp for us to internalize because he has chosen us and we are his servants. Somehow we've gotten this concept that being his servant or being chosen by God is not necessarily a good thing. Like Tevye in, in uh, Fiddler on the Roof. He says, God, can't you choose someone else some, sometime? We go through so many problems and so much service and so much trouble. Choose someone else. But God has chosen us to serve him, and that's a good thing. It's not something to lord over others, because God wants to choose others. It's something we draw people into. Not something we boast about. It's something we share. It's something we invite others. Come, be a servant of God. Come, he has chosen you as well. He wants you in his kingdom. He wants you to love him. He wants you to call upon him. He wants you to observe his covenant. He wants you to be blessed with the blessings of God. He wants you to be able to rest in him and enjoy him. And have a vacation at least once a week. Enter into fellowship with him. To listen to him. To talk to him. To come together with him in judgment and healing, and deliverance. He's chosen us as his servants to go forward and invite others to him. That's the calling of the servant. That's the job of the servant. He didn't call the servant to come and hoe the weeds. He didn't call the servant, a servant to, uh, to, to do manual labor for him. He didn't call us his servant to... nurse him and minister to him. 
He doesn't need us for that. He's called us servants to minister to others, to bless others. God doesn't need his diaper change, but there are people here on this earth who've got stinky diapers. They need healing. They need deliverance. They need help. He's called us as servants to minister to others, to reveal God to them, to go forward as his mouth, to go forward as his voice, to go forward as his hands, to go forward as his feet, to go forward ministering for him. To draw people to him. That's what it means to serve him. His service is good. His service has rich reward. We'll have more friends in heaven as a result of serving him. We are his servants. He has chosen us and he has not cast us away. Again, contrary to some thinking, that says, well, Israel was the servants of God. Israel was the chosen, the, the literal children of Israel, the little children of Abraham were the servants and the chosen of God, but God cast them away. And now we're the new Israel. Nowhere is that being brought out here in this text. He's saying, Israel, the descendants, Jacob, is my chosen, my servant. But I've called others from all over the globe to come near and join together with them. He has not cast us away. Not replaced but he calls us to unite together as one. For all to repent, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Chosenness doesn't mean that we're perfect. Chosen doesn't mean that we are without sin. Chosen doesn't mean that we automatically, because we are chosen, have a pass to heaven no matter what choices we make. Chosen means he's called us and loved us and wants us to enter into judgment with him so that he can cleanse us from that sin, so that he can cleanse us from our rebellion, so he can deliver us from those things, and that he can form us and change us and transform us to make right choices, to do righteousness, to love us, to minister for him. That's what he's chosen us for and chosen us to. He has not cast us away. He hasn't given up on us. He hasn't given up on you. Verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It doesn't get any better than that. What a wonderful promise. You need something to pray about? Pray this. God, you have promised that I will not fear. I choose not to fear. I choose by your grace, by your word, not to be afraid. Take away all the worry, all the fear, all the anxiety for the future, for the present. Thank you that you are with me. Thus, I don't have to be afraid. 
Fear not. God is with us. He is with you. He has chosen you. You're his servant. You don't have to be dismayed. You don't have to be troubled. The cares of this world. Be not dismayed. Why? For he is our God. The almighty God. The all-powerful God. The self-existent one. Thus we don't have to be dismayed. We don't have to be afraid. When you put your problem in comparison to this, it just melts away. There's nothing there to worry about. He is with us. And he will strengthen us. So if you're feeling weak, he will strengthen you. And that's actually a good place to go, is to be weak. Someone asked me just this week, said, how can I gain strength to have victory in my life. I'm struggling with these sins and I'm choosing the wrong thing. How can, how can I become stronger? I said, by becoming weaker. But when you are weak, that's when you are strong. Stop trying in your own strength. Stop trying to become power, more powerful. Become weak before God. And let him strengthen you. I will strengthen you, he promises. He'll strengthen your faith. He'll strengthen your courage. He'll strengthen your outlook. He'll strengthen your, your decisions, your ability to decide and to stick with your decisions, right decisions. He will strengthen us, strengthen our character. He will strengthen you. He will help you. And he will uphold you with his righteous right hand. Lift us up. If you've been beaten down, downtrodden, rejected, discouraged, feeling like you're falling, he will strengthen you, he will help you, he will uphold you with his righteous right hand powerful God. He'll hold you up. Give you the ability to stand. To stand against the adversaries of this world. To stand against the troubles of this world. To stand against the problems of this world. He'll hold you. And give you the ability to serve him. In the face of rejection. In the face of ridicule. While the whole world and it's getting worse and it's going to continue to get worse. It's amazing how dramatically Things that we believe in the Bible, that are clear in the Bible, have just in the last few years have been turned upside down and have become unacceptable, and just the opposite has become acceptable and become the norm more and more. It seems when, when it seems to have gotten to a point where it just seems so brazen and so ridiculous, they come up with another thing to do. Another thing to try and make acceptable. And we who hold God's covenant, hold fast to him, we become more and more marginalized. But fear not. God is with us. Be not dismayed. He is our God. He will strengthen us. Yes, he will help us. 
He will uphold us with his righteous right hand. He will take us through a time of trouble such as the world has never seen. And he will give us the power to endure to the end and on into eternity. Verse 11. Behold, all those who were incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be as nothing, and those who strive with you shall perish. You shall seek them and not find them. Those who contend with you, those who war against you shall be as nothing, as a non-existent thing. Wonderful promises. Again, you need something to pray? God, this enemy, this, 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 these ones that are incensed against me, ones who are resisting your plan for my life, those who are making it hard for me, those who are causing trouble in my life, trying to disgrace me, talking badly about me, ridiculing me, undermining my good deeds, turning my words upside down and twisting them, manipulating them, putting words in my mouth, changing the meaning of my words, doubting my actions and my motives, and turning them upside down, and accusing me of doing wrong when I've tried to do right, spurning the love and the goodness that I offered, throwing it in my face, they shall be as nothing. Those who strive with you shall perish. Especially the devil himself, the chief himself, and all of his evil angels. They shall perish. We will seek them and not find them. Those who contend with you, they will be as nothing. So don't worry about those contending against you. Don't worry about those striving to try and overtake you. Those who misunderstand you. Those who are trying to take your job or take your position or take your friend or take, your, take something from you. Take your property, take your possessions. Trying to take away your worth and your value. Trying to take away your faith. Trying to get you to doubt those who contend with you. Those who war against you shall be as nothing, as a non-existing thing. Our God, he will uphold us. He will deliver us. He will see us through. He will strengthen us. So whatever your trouble is, whatever your problem is, you can claim this promise. Whatever it is. Sickness, discouragement, fear, whatever it is, whether it's embodied in human form or not. We wrestle not against flesh and blood anyway. So whatever means the devil comes to contend against us, feelings of discouragement, feelings of failure, whatever it is, those who contend with you, those who war against you shall be as nothing. 
Apollyon, the devil shall be as nothing. God will deliver. God is our deliverer. Wonderful promise. Because we are his servants. Thus he will fight for his servants. Right? In the old days, when you served in the lords and they had the vassal kingdoms, servant's job was to work for the king, and the king's job was to protect his servants. <coughs> he will protect us. Our God will protect us. They will be as nothing. They shall perish. Wonderful promise. Verse 13. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, fear not. I will help you. I mean, throughout the book of Isaiah, he says, fear not. Throughout the Bible, fear not, fear not, fear not. He's holding our hand. Not only is he contending with those who contend with us, not only is he going and beating them up, not only is he making them as if they're nothing, not only is he causing them to perish, not only is he warring against them, not, is he, not only is God a mighty warrior, then he holds our hand. And he walks with us. And he talks with us. If you're needing your hand held tonight, God is your friend. He wants to hold your hand. Fear not. I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand. Is there any other God like that? I don't know. There's a does the Quran say God, Allah, or whatever, holds their hand? I don't know. I haven't read the whole thing. Does uh, do the Buddhists believe their God holds their hand? Do the animists believe that the gods hold their hand? Do the Hindus think their gods hold their hand? Our God holds. Our hand. The Lord our God, with his mighty upright hand, will hold us up and strengthen us. May you hold your hand. Fear not, I will help you. Fear not, you worm Jacob. A little flattery there for us. <laughs> Since we're really worse than a worm, we are sinners, corrupted heart, desperately wicked. Fear not, you worm, Jacob, you men of Israel. I will help you, says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. He will help us. Fear not, I will help you. Fear not. I will help you. Twice here. Right in a row. Tells us the same thing. At least three times already in this chapter he told us, fear not. At least three times he says, I will help you. He'll hold our hand. He'll uphold us. He'll fight for us. Verse 15. I will make you into a new threshing sledge with sharp teeth. You shall thresh the mountains and beat them small and make the hills like chaff. You shall winnow them, and the wind shall carry them away. 
the whirlwind shall scatter them. You shall rejoice in the Lord and glory in the Holy One of Israel. So you worm, Jacob, are going to move this mountain. You're going to chew it up and spit it out. That's what he says. You worm. Little measly, slithering, little nothing. I will help you. I will transform you. I will change you. And I will strengthen you. And I will make you mighty. And a mustard seed of faith will move the mountains. And you will rejoice in the Lord. And glory in the Holy One of Israel. Verse 17, the poor and the needy seek water, but there is none. Their tongues fail for thirst. I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers in desolate heights and fountains in the midst of valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. Are you thirsty? Whoever thirsts, let him come to the Lord. Are you needing refreshing? Are you feeling dry? Are you feeling spent? Are you feeling wasted? Are you feeling worn out? Are you feeling troubled? Drink from the source. Drink from God. Drink him in. The poor and needy seek water, but there's none. And I, the Lord, will hear that. He holds our hand. He listens to us. He draws near to us. He says, I am your friend. And he hears us. And he will not forsake us. He has not cast us away. He loves us. And he'll open up the rivers to us. He'll open up the floodgates to us. And he will provide as much water as you need. Flowing water. Fresh water. Streams of water. Verse 19, I will plant in the wilderness my, the cedar and the acacia tree, the myrtle and the oil tree. I will set in the desert the cypress tree and the pine and the box tree together that they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it. In the wilderness, if you feel desolate, if you feel like you're in a wilderness, if you feel alone, you feel all dried out. God says, I will plant trees there, multiple trees. I will make it a forest that will bring forth good things, of sweet things, of smelling things, of oils and blessings, and everlasting trees, evergreen. He will plant in us and produce out of us, out of a dry thing. When we realize we're worms, as we realize our thirst, as we realize we're poor and needy, as we realize our weakness before him, we can come to him in strength, his strength, and be strengthened in him, and blessed in him, and multiplied in him, in service for him. Verse 25, I have raised up one from the north, and he shall come from the rising of the sun, which is the east. He shall call on my name, and he shall come against princes as though mortar, as the potter treads clay. I will give Jerusalem to one who brings good tidings. Well, who is this one who comes from the north? 
Who is this one who comes from the rising of the sun? Who is this one who brings good tidings? Our Messiah, the one. North is not only geographic in the Bible, sometimes it's north means up. <laughs> so come, and he will bring good tidings. He will come and hold our hand. At the same time, he will tread those who contend against us. As a potter treads clay. He'll bring good tidings. And then in another, that was Isaiah 41. This is now, first out of Isaiah 49, verse 5. Who is this one? Well, let's look what it says here. The Lord says, Who formed me from the womb to be his servant? We saw Israel is God's servant. We saw the foreigners become God's servants as they call on his name and as they keep his Sabbath and as they surrender to him and love him. But here and now he's talking about, the Lord says, who formed me from the womb to be his servant. So which one's he talking about here? Who's he talking about? To bring Jacob back to him so that Israel is gathered to him for I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Well, now, can that be the Israel, the children of descendants of Abraham? Well, how could it be? It says, the Lord who formed me in my, from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him so that Israel is gathered to him. Well, if it's Israel that's the servant, how can Israel gather himself back? If it's Jacob, how can he bring Jacob back? This servant described here has to be another servant. The one from the north. The, the prince of servants, that's right. The one whom Jacob wrestled with. The one who he wrestled with and who touched his thigh and made him weak. Whom Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The one from the north, the one from the rising of the sun. The one who speaks graciousness to Jerusalem. The one whose mighty arm said to Jacob, you shall no longer be called Jacob. But as a prince with God, you've wrestled with God and have prevailed. You are an overcomer, a prince with God, an overcomer with God. That is the servant here. And we'll see in other places in the book of Isaiah this servant being talked about and expounded upon in other weeks. The Lord who formed me from the womb to be his servant. The Lord called the Messiah, had a plan for the Messiah, had a purpose for the Messiah. He chose him for a reason to be his servant. That's why he's chosen us as well. To be his servant. To bring Jacob back to him. So that Israel is gathered to him. That's what he's called us to do. That's what he's chosen us for. For I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, again, the Messiah, and my God shall be my strength. 
That is the one from the north. That is the one that God has chosen. The Messiah. Who will strengthen us. Who will help us. Who will uphold us. Who will hold our hands. Who will walk with us. Who will hear us. Who will listen to us. Who says, come near to me. Be close to me. That's what our God wants to do. He says, still in verse chapter 49, verse 6, he says, Is it too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore and preserve the ones of Israel? I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles, the Goyi, to the foreigners, that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. God's servant. So the children of Israel have been chosen by God to be his servant. The foreigners have been chosen by God to be his servant. And God has created and chosen one from the womb himself to come down to be a servant. To draw us back to the Father. To draw us back to God. To glorify God. He's drawing us today. If we have strayed away, He's calling you back to him today. He's saying, come near to me. Come hold my hand. Come be my friend. Come listen to me. Come talk with me. Enter into judgment together with me. You have problems. You have struggles. Fear not. I am with you. Someone harassing you. Someone troubling you. Fear not, I will contend with them. I will help you. I will uphold you. Are you thirsty? Are you in need? He says, I will provide for you. Are you feeling dry and like your life is a wilderness? You're wandering around in the desert. He says, come unto me. Draw near. And you will plant orchards and forests in your life. You feel like you no longer have a purpose. Your life no longer has any meaning. He says, I have chosen you to be my servant. I have sent my servant to come and get you. He wants us to serve him as well. He wants to use us in drawing other people to him. Whatever your need is tonight, for the strength for courage, for help, for a holding hand, for a listening ear, for a friend, for a warrior. Whatever your need is tonight, call upon the name of the Lord. Call upon the power of the Lord. Whether you need strength to be his witness, whether you need to be empowered to be to serve him, tell others. Boldness instead of fear. As we pray tonight, let us enter into God's presence and join forces with it. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, I am thankful that you are such a real God. You are such a good God. You care so much about us that you draw near to us. You want to be with us. 
Lord, we come to you in our need. We are just worms before you. Thank you for loving us and choosing us and transforming us into beautiful things for you, to servants for you. Live in us and out of us. Cleanse us, wash us clean through the sacrifice of your servant, your son, our Messiah. And work in us in Yeshua's holy name. Amen.